It is wonderful, wonderful to be here today. God is moving in such a wonderful way. You guys look beautiful. You look amazing. It's like looking right into a mirror right now. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love to do, you guys have seen me do it time and time again. One of the wonderful things about my job is I get to interact with missionaries and missionary organizations, and I get this amazing privilege, this honor to introduce them to you. And today we have with us Love Life. So I'm going to ask Justin and, and the Love Life uh, crew to come to the platform. Um, we met Justin uh, just a few months ago, actually. Um, and we have uh, come into a partnership that Justin is going to tell you a little bit more about. So pay attention because this is very, very important. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, man. Bethlehem, good to be with you guys. First, I just want to honor your pastors, Pastor Tony, Pastor Henry, Pastor Steve Malazzo for the opportunity to partner with you guys. Man, I'm so st thankful for pastors that are leading the way for life in our cities. You know, a lot of times we can focus on the pastors maybe that aren't taking a stand, but how about we start with honoring and thanking those that are taking a strong stand for life. Put your hands together again if you're thankful for your pastors, for your leaders. Also want to honor Pastor Gabe, one of our uh, pastors in North Carolina, one of our anchor core pastors there in North Carolina that's been a part of this from the very beginning that's here with us today. And I just want to encourage you, this is your adoption week. This is your week, Bethlehem, to mobilize for life. And the whole mission of Love Life is to unite and mobilize the church, to create a culture of love and life that would result to an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. God has called the church to shape the culture, amen? He's called us to be the salt of the earth, us to be the light of the world, us to be the city set up on a hill that will not be hidden. He called the church of Jesus Christ to be the pillar and the foundation of truth. We can't wait for CNN or Fox News to get it right. He's called the church to be that, amen? We shape culture. We shape the culture. Politician, legislation, they follow the culture. That's downstream. We're creating a culture where families stop running to our local abortion clinics and begin running to the local church. Amen? Do you believe that's possible? Come on, with God, all things are possible, church. All things. You saw in the Wiggins story there, they showed up for an abortion in Charlotte, North Carolina. They showed up on a Wednesday. And that's significant because that's the day that churches are praying and fasting. That's the day that we're going to encourage and challenge Bethlehem to pray and fast with us this week, along with three other churches across New York City. You have four churches adopting this week in the, in the city. On Wednesday, there were churches praying and fasting. They showed up for an abortion, felt hopeless, felt like there was no other options. They were met with the church on the sidewalks through sidewalk counselors, letting them know that there are real resources available for them. They made the choice for life that day, gave their heart to Jesus on Thursday, this, once they knew God's plan for their life, they said, let's get married. So they got married on Friday. Come on, that's a transformation. And now they join us at prayer walks on Saturday. Listen, we're believing not just for abortion clinics to close, but for hearts to be turned to the Father. That's the miracle that we're praying for, and that's what we're seeing happen in North Carolina but now it has launched here in New York City. This last week was the very first prayer walk. There was one family that made the choice for life yesterday while the church was out there praying. Come on, amen, That's a, we can put our hands together for that. And then zero moms went into the abortion clinic while the church was out there praying. Because let me tell you, when light shows up, darkness has to leave. It has to leave. So this is our week to mobilize. This is your church's week to mobilize. Pastor Gabe's going to give you the word of the reality of what's happening in this city, but also the power of the church. Amen. Bless you, Brother Justin. God bless you, church. Amen. And first things first, how many honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody besides me glad that Jesus is still Lord? Amen. Amen. I just want to give you, as Justin just threw it out there, what we've coined the tragic truth. Again, my name's Gabe Rogers. I pastor a church there in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, and have been blessed to be um, a part of this since the beginning uh, uh, of its inception, if you will. And the Lord has just done marvelous things through Love Life. I often like to remind folks that this is not a group of protesters. This is a group of prayers. Amen. Folks coming together to pray, get Jesus 
Jesus down in people, turn lives like the Wiggins family. They're in our city. So we're just so excited about what the Lord is doing. And the tragic truth is this, if you would just allow me a moment, in our state, that is the state that we're in today, New York City, there are 64,000 abortions, y'all, a year. Uh, the clinic that you will go to on Saturday, uh, and we're so excited about you being down there, uh, kills 11,000 babies a year. And so many people may say, well, you know, we're Queens, Long Island, uh, not in the city city. Uh, but when you go, let me just show you their marketing and business plan. If you look through the glass window on the first floor, you will see a map of the five boroughs and how it is their plan to service your borough. Amen. And so your drive towards the, as we coin it, head of the snake, I call it the belly of the beast. How many of y'all know it is worthwhile? Amen. It is worthwhile. It will be a ripple effect throughout your state. Of course, you all know about laws that have been passed. This great pastor did such a good job and not going to steal his thunder on that. But even this year, uh, laws that have been passed in New York City. Uh, and I don't mind just uh, putting this out there. Uh, you you can obviously look at me and tell I'm a brown face, amen, I'm a black man, and uh, one of the reasons that I am so passionate is, of course, abortion is a universal issue, amen, but in New York City, African Americans are in what we call birth decline. That means that we kill more babies than we give birth to. Literally. In my city in Charlotte, North Carolina, 70% of the babies that are murdered at the clinic are black babies. So all that said, I want you to understand that. Understand what's going on, what's down there. Uh, and to the glory of God, how many of y'all know Jesus is greater? I love that song, Our God is Greater. Our God is, come on, higher than any other. Amen. So the flip side of the tragic truth is the truth of the power of Calvary. And that is that Jesus died for this. Amen. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So we go down there and we take authority in Jesus' name. And we know that not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. How many of y'all know we can bring an end to abortion in this nation? Amen. To the glory of God. To the glory of God. And then I want to put in a quick plug, uh, not only for the power of the church, which is a good segue, but the power of the church, and that is the redemption of you in the church. Because if one in four people have had abortions, this is said with so much love and grace, how many of y'all know that means somebody sitting in the room has had an abortion? Amen. Somebody sitting in my church every Sunday, amen, our church is relatively progressive as well, has had abortions. We have a counseling center connected with our campus, and people get ministered to all the time, amen, even who go to our church who have had abortions. What is God saying this morning? The blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything you have ever done, thought about doing. Come on, somebody. Might have done. Oh, we ought to give them glory for Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The blood of Jesus is that thick. So I want to have just that redemptive plug on this, which is what makes love life so rich, is our approach to go down in redemptive ways and, and bring people literally from the gates of hell to the church where the gates of hell cannot prevail. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. So if you're in here, uh, and you have had that experience. There's going to be a time at the end where we'll do commitment cards. Uh, and, and you fill that card out to commit, and we'll talk more about that in the end. Uh, if you've had an experience, uh, I want you to metaphorically lay that card down uh, as a metaphor of you also laying down your past. Amen. Knowing that the only person that's trying to condemn you today is the devil. Somebody shout, I've been made free. Amen. And watch this. And then shout, I'm going to help somebody else get free. Amen. That's why we're going down there on Saturday. God bless you. We're so excited about locking arms with you. I can't tell you how much this pumps me up in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Justin. Amen. We're, we're the church. Amen. We are the church. Church isn't a place we go to or something we do, but we are the church. 
And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. He has given us the keys to the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth, be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, be loose in heaven. It's a co-laboring with the Lord that he desires. I promise you that he wants to see abortion in more than we do. He's just been waiting for the church to co-labor with him. So we say, this week, this is our week to mobilize. I want you to watch this quick video to see what it looks like when the church comes together for prayer walks. Go ahead and roll the video. I wish that the good Christian people of my area would have come to that death camp to plead for our lives like you're doing here. If only a few had come, they would have been demonized and destroyed. But what if thousands, if thousands had gathered? Do not be weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap the reward if we do not lose heart. We unite today again, not just here in Charlotte, but in Greensboro and in Raleigh. It is our opportunity today to love our neighbor enough to stand up and be counted. It's our opportunity today to love our neighbor enough to reach out in love and to say there is a better way. We are a part of the greatest organism on the planet. We believe in your church and we pray today that you will use us not to bring shame, not to bring condemnation, but to bring hope. When the church comes together, people notice. When the church comes together, the enemy takes notice. And we're driving a stake in the ground today. We're not here to put a dent in it. We're here to see it eliminated. We are here today representing the body of Christ. It's not a Baptist thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. But it is a church thing. We can no longer just sit in our churches and pray. We can no longer sit quietly and sit and do nothing. We've got to take a stand. And the moment we join together, they begin to fall. Somebody needs to join together with me. Give God the biggest shout of praise. there was not one person on these sidewalks but God heard the cries of his people and today the church is here we decided to take a stand it changed our entire church and listen when the church shows up in big numbers the numbers of abortions go down. When you come here, God shows up. But if those women in there can hear me right now, you guys have a choice. The church is here to help you walk with that baby. We will help you. Your prayers and your efforts were not in vain. God intervened. And because of you, and because God was working through you, she's here. Well, the reason for this land, the reason for this celebration, the reason for that stake in the ground, it's because we're about to see God do something supernatural. Latrobe is no longer going to be synonymous with death and abortion, but will be synonymous with life and adoption. God has called you to do something. He's called all of us to do something. What is your place on the wall? Yeah, we can give King Jesus a shout of praise for that, church. And I just want to clarify, even in the Wiggins story, you know, they say love life immediately steps in. The reality is it's not love life. It's the local church that is stepping in. The local church is doing the mentoring. The local church is doing the sidewall counseling. The local church is doing the healing and restoration ministries. And just to echo what Pastor said earlier, you know, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Hear me. The old is gone, the new has come. Satan so badly wants to keep those that have walked this road before silent, your voice unheard. I'm telling you that we need your voice. You are the Navy SEALs of this movement. Let your past misery be used for today's ministry. Amen? We need you. We need you. And also, I want to say one other thing that I truly believe a lot of times when we have this conversation, uh, the men kind of put their head down or want to be out of the conversation. This is more of a man's issue than it is a woman's issue. 
If men were standing in our proper place of responsibility, women would not be turned into the abortion clinics. It's time for men to rise up and protect women and children and take responsibility. Amen. I'm a business guy. I'm not a pastor, but I had some friends that invited me out to the local abortion clinic in my city, and that's where I became broken over what I call the tragic truth in our cities. You heard some of that from Pastor Gabe. During that process, a season of prayer and fasting, the Lord downloaded a strategy, a strategy to mobilize the church, and that's the mission of Love Life that you've already heard. But we do it through what we call a 40-week journey of hope. Why 40 weeks? That's the time from conception to birth. And we ask each one of our partnering churches to, to adopt at least one week out of the 40 weeks. And again, this is your adoption week, along with a few other churches here in the city. And during your adoption week, we're going to walk you through four simple steps. We want you to hear, pray, go, and connect. The hear piece, you already heard part of it here from Pastor Gabe, the tragedy that's happening with abortion here in our backyard. One out of four women, one out of four men. The, the greatest moral issue in the history of the world is happening on our watch. It's the leading cause of death, more than cancer, heart disease, anything else you can think of. And in here in, in New York City, it's the abortion capital of America. But our God is greater, church. And when the tide turns here, not if, but when the tide turns here, it will send ripple effects around the nation and around the world. I believe that with all my heart. And we're starting at the largest abortion clinic in New York City, in Lower Manhattan, at the Margaret Sanger Center, where they pride themselves on doing 1% of the nation's abortions at this place. 1% of the nation's abortions happening at this one facility in Lower Manhattan. And again, not if, but when that place closes, I'd stand before you here today and say that we will buy that building on Bleecker and Mott, and we will turn it into a place of life for the glory of God. Come on, do you believe, church? This is our time. So, but we got to hear what, what is happening in our city. Step two is prayer and fasting. That's where I'm in, encouraging and challenging you this Wednesday to pray and fast with me. This is a spiritual battle. Our battle is not with the abortionists. We pray for the abortionists. I believe one day that the abortionist is going to be leading the prayer walks with us in this city because he's going to have a Saul to Paul moment. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual battle that must be fought with spiritual weapons. Mark 9, 29 says this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. So this Wednesday, I encourage you, I challenge you to pray and fast with us. Then on Saturday, we go. That's step three. We got to go. We got to go to the dark places of our city. We can't just sit in our pews and pray about it. We got to go to the dark places. We got to be like the Good Samaritan and get in the ditch. So this Saturday, we go for a prayer walk, not a protest, a prayer walk. And we're going to, everyone that comes to the prayer walks, you're going to get a free Love Life t shirt. You're going to get a prayer card that has our code of conduct on it that says we're not here to engage with anybody at the abortion clinic. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to get into any kind of arguments or any kind of conversations. We're here to pray. Our only activation that day is praying and commissioning heaven down on Bleecker and Mott that day. So we show up, we pray, and I want to encourage you to bring your families with you. My beautiful wife is here with me. My kids come with us. Let me tell you, if you want to raise warriors for the kingdom, get them in the battle. The most dangerous place for your kids is for them to be at home in front of the television. The, the safest place for them to be is at that prayer walk on Saturday and in the battle. You want to raise warriors in the kingdom, get them in the battle. Amen? Bring your families with you for the prayer walk on Saturday. At the end of the prayer walk, we give you a chance to get connected beyond the prayer walk. This is where you can become a mentor for a family like the Wiggins. We have hundreds of mentors in North Carolina that are walking with these families. We can't just pray they make the choice for life. we got to say we're going to walk with you. We're going to get in the ditch with you. So you can become a mentor. You can become a sidewalk counselor. You can become an orphan care family. Amen? we got to care about the orphans as a whole, not just the orphan in the womb, but also the orphan outside of the womb. Psalm 68.5 makes it clear for us. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He takes the lonely and he sets them in families. Not orphanages and families. So if you want to find out more about foster care, adoption, sidewalk counseling, mentoring, it will be a time for activation at the end of the prayer walk. I wrap it up with this before we pass it back to you, Pastor Tony. We're not here to slow it down. We're here to win it. Jeremiah 5.28 says they pleaded the case of the fatherless not to win it. 
It was a rebuke in Jeremiah's day. In other, in, in other words, they were just doing it to do it. They were pleading it for the sake of pleading it, to check a box. Well, let me tell you, we're not here to check a box. We're here to win it. Do you believe that King Jesus is going to bring an end to abortion in your city? If you believe it, church, come on, let's agree together that with him all things are possible. All things. Pastor Tony. Amen. You know, usually when I bring missionary up and present the missionary at the end, I have the missionary stand here so that we could pray for them. But we're not going to do that today. We're not going to pray for love life because we are going to stand with love life. We're going to walk with love life and we're going to pray with love life. Next Saturday, Pastor Tony's going to be there. Will you? So I love what you said that this is a men's issue. We can't talk about the abortion crisis in our country without talking about the manhood crisis in our country. So men, I want to invite you once again to come to the Overcomers Conference. It's going to be big for your life. We're going to get equipped. We're going to get strong together. We're going to stand up as men and we're going to show this world what a godly man looks like. Amen? Amen. On January 22nd of this year, New York State passed the Reproductive Health Act. The statute expanded abortion rights and eliminated many restrictions on abortion in this state. This grieved us severely. And so as a church, we began looking into resources that could help us mobilize in response to the single greatest moral issue of our time. And many of you will remember that our good friend Doreen Jansen from Soundview Pregnancy Services came here to share regarding the good work, regarding the God work that they are doing right in our own community. And shortly thereafter, we, the church leadership, were able to come together, to gather together with several other churches for a life summit. And at that summit, we were able to hear more about what Soundview was doing, but we also got the opportunity to meet Love Life and to initiate, to begin a partnership with Love Life as part of a campaign of prayer and compassion, where our actions will speak on behalf of the voiceless. Our partners at Love Life, which you just met, are so passionately committed to ending the plague of abortions that has oppressed our society, that they have inspired today's message. It's simply titled, God Loves Life. And so if you'll be so kind as to open your Bibles or your Bible apps and read the scripture together with me. Many of you won't even need to open the Bible. We're going to read from John 3.16 today. It's an oldie but goodie. It's a classic. And I'm going King James on you this morning, as a matter of fact. John 3.16 declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us this privilege to come together to hear your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would soften our hearts, O oh Lord. Make us receptive to your word that we might understand that God loves life. And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that uh, the ceiling fan directly overhead be shut off, please. Thank you. Thank you. If Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our faith, then John 3.16 is certainly the cornerstone of our gospel. John 3.16, it appears on posters at football games and hockey games and on billboards all over the country and on countless tattoos. I wear a pendant that my family gave me for Father's Day that's inscribed with it. We teach it to our children in Sunday school. And we speak it back over our lives every time we need to remind ourselves that we, that you and I, are 
a whosoever. This scripture represents the pathway to eternity, our blessed hope. And this pathway begins with understanding, with acknowledging and with accepting that before there was a church and worship teams, and before LED screens and fog machines, before polyester suits and ripped skinny jeans, before all of these things, God so loved the world. And make no mistake, family, God loves life. So if you and I want to be godly, if you and I want to be like God, we must love life. Now, before anyone in this room begins to make assumptions, let me reassure you that this is not a message in support of any particular political party's ideology. We're talking about life today. We're talking about God. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor Tony, where are you going with this? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. We're talking about love life. So first of all, what is love? What is love? <laughs> what is love? Well, pastor, you know, love is love. You know, love, it's, love is that thing. Love, is, love is, is that feeling that you get. No, but that's not the case at all. We said, for God so loved the world. And so reason with me for a second. Do you think that God was in heaven sitting on his throne and watching all of our mess and feeling warm and fuzzy about it? No, friends. Love is so much more than a feeling. The apostle John Puts it this way, he says in 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. God is love, and he allows us to experience glimpses of his love every single day. As we see acts of compassion, as we see people helping each other, people loving each other, people lifting each other up. But I think that there's no greater glimpse into who God is and what love is than experiencing the birth of a child. And that experience begins with the, the God design of a man and a woman who've taken vows to live together for a lifetime, coming together in tenderness and conceiving a child. And though that experience continues throughout the lifetime of the parent, the true summit of that experience, that moment when you get a glimpse of the greatness of God and the greatness of his love, is that moment when you hold your child for the first time and you realize, I would die for this little one. I had the privilege of being with my wife, of watching my wife, who is a champion, watching her give birth to all three of my children. And I remember when my oldest son was born, he was born and the nurse took him, and, and I'll never forget her name, her name was Lorraine. And she was a godly woman. She took him and she said, she looked at me, she said, he looks like you. And I was like, yeah. So she had him in the little cart. She says, do you want to come with me to, to, to clean him off? And I was like, yeah. And my wife's like, excuse me. And the nurse is like, trust me, you don't want to see any more of that anyway. And then my second son was born. My son David, those of you who know my son David know that he's probably the chillest person you'll ever meet. He was born and he just kind of tilted his head and looked at me like. And so we had two baby boys, two amazing little boys. And I thought to myself, you know what would be nice? Is if we had a little girl. And my wife was like, are you sure? Because we've got two already. I'm like, yeah. And so we prayed about it. My wife and I, we prayed about it. And I prayed. And I said, God, I'd really like a little girl. 
He said, if you, if you bless me with another son, God, I will teach him to be a godly man. And I will love him with all I got. But I'd really like a little girl. And the Lord blessed us with our daughter, Sarah. We call her Sarita. She's 17 years old. But I remember like yesterday, the day that she was born, I held her in my arms like this. And I looked her in the eyes and I fell in love, family. I fell in love. And I looked at her and I said, you're so pretty, 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 pretty. You're so pretty, 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 pretty. And my wife was like, can I hold her now? And I was like, no. And that is a true story. And I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment, I would die for this little one. I would die for this little one. And Carmine, if circumstances go sideways, I would kill for this little one. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it was amazing. It was the first time that I felt like I could really understand a little bit of God's love. So I loved my parents. Loved my siblings. And I fell in love with my amazing wife. Amazing wife. You know that behind every great man is a woman who should have left him? <laughs> but it wasn't until I had children, until I had babies, that I realized this is, this is the way that God loves me. That I came to realize that this is how God feels about each and every one of us. And not only that, but that Jesus actually did give his life for us. And now, in our generation, on our watch, more babies have been killed in the United States in the last 40 years than U.S. soldiers in every war the United States has ever been in combined. And as the devil is killing millions of babies... He's robbing humanity of the potential that each one of those lives represent. And he's robbing millions of people of that blessed revelation of the love of God. And I think that that's a strategy. I think that the devil is trying to keep people from feeling that, from knowing that, from understanding, from getting that glimpse of God's love and keeping people living under condemnation so that they will never know that God is love and that God loves life. You see, love is more than a feeling. It's an action and it's a choice to put someone else's interests before your own. And isn't that exactly what God did for us? Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while you and I were still sinners, God didn't wait for me to get my act together. God didn't wait for me to clean my room. God didn't wait for me to straighten myself out. God didn't wait for me to lose that last 20 pounds. God didn't wait for me to lose that first 20 pounds. God didn't wait for me to lose that 20 pounds in the middle. God didn't wait for us to straighten up. God didn't wait for me to stop sinning. God didn't wait for us to stop with our nonsense. While we were still sinners, while we were still robbing, while we were still in jealousy, while we were still in envy, while we were still committing murder, while we were still in adultery, while we were still in fornication, while we were still gossiping, and while we were still having abortions, God showed his love for us that Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, the price for our sin was paid at the cross at Calvary. Jesus took your place. Jesus took my place because he loves life so much that he gave his own so that we could have eternity with him. Somebody worship God. For God so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves life. And if we want to be like God, we should love life too. What's the Bible say about love? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 declares, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so if you want to love life, be patient with the lives of others. Be kind to the lives of others. And don't be envious of others. Do not boast about yourself and do not be prideful. Do not dishonor the lives of others. Don't be self-seeking and don't be easily angered against the lives of others. Do not keep a record of the wrongs of the lives of others. Do not keep a record of the wrongs of your husbands. I said that for someone. You can thank me later. And certainly do not delight when evil is manifested in the lives of others. But rejoice with the truth in the lives of others. Protect, trust, hope, and persevere. Because love never fails. And if you follow these principles, you will not fail to be godly to the lives of others, no matter who they are. No matter who they are. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love life. And you will begin to see God's transformative power at work in your life, in your home, in your family, in your vocation, in your church, in your community, and in your country. Because love, love is the only thing that when you give it away, you end up having more. God loves life. Okay, pastor, but which life am I supposed to love? Surely you don't mean everybody. Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Because the truth is that we are by nature preferential. We prefer some things. We prefer some people over others. So we may want to love life, but we prefer to love cute life. That's right. That's why those ASPCA commercials always feature the cutest animals, because most of us would prefer to save cute animals. And that's why you can buy shoes made from real alligators, but you can't buy shoes made from real kittens. I'll wait while the rest of you get that. <laughs> On one occasion when my children were small, they asked me, Daddy, are there animals in heaven? And I answered, yes, they're delicious. <laughs> we would prefer to love the lives of those people we like. But Luke chapter 10 tells us of a conversation that Jesus had with an expert of the law. The expert wanted to know how to inherit eternal life, how to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus bounced the question right back to the expert. And he says, well, what does the law say? And the expert answered, well, uh, love God and love your neighbor. Since the expert clearly had some neighbors that he preferred, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, the expert was asking, which life am I supposed to love? 
Jesus answered him with the parable of the good Samaritan. The interesting thing about this parable is that Jesus never actually called the Samaritan good. We did that after the fact. What Jesus did do is that Jesus specifically identified some of the players in that drama by their vocations. The robbers, the priest, and the Levite. And that implies some specific behavioral, if not vocational, actions. But of these, the only ones who actually acted according to their title were the robbers. So beware of people who are obsessed with titles. That's another sermon for another time. But the main players in this drama were not identified through their vocations. Jesus simply identifies the two other people this way. He identifies a man who was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he identifies a Samaritan. Jesus did not tell us why this man was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus didn't tell us if this man was of noble character or bloodline. Jesus didn't tell us if the man was a good man or a bad man by any standard. But what he was, was a hurt man. A man who needed help. And notice that Jesus is just as vague about the Samaritan. The fact that he was Samaritan only tells us about his ethnicity, but not his character. Though it's clear that society expected the Samaritan to act a certain way because of his ethnicity. It's a good thing that things have changed so much, right? We don't know if this Samaritan was a good man or a bad man. We don't know if he was wealthy or poor. We don't even know if he could afford the commitment that he made. But we do know that despite society's expectations, and despite the fact that there was no way of knowing whether this man would ever be able to pay him back, the Samaritan chose to love life. That man who had been hurt and left for dead experienced love from perhaps the unlikeliest of sources. God loves life. Over the past three weeks, we've been watching videos in anticipation of today, where we celebrate the sanctity of life. Last week's video of a little girl who had never been born was especially powerful. She's writing a letter to her parents. And as she's writing about all the things that she wanted to be, all the things that she expected to to do with her life, she starts telling about the moment that she was taken. And she says, I wanted to yell but I didn't have a voice. And it ripped right through my heart. It knocked the wind out of me when I heard that one line. The whole video is amazingly powerful, but when I heard that one line, I believe that it's time for us to rise up and speak for the voiceless. But the truth is that if the only sanctity of life we recognize is pre-born life, then we've missed it. For God so loved the world. God loves life. And God would have us stand. God would have us take a stand and speak up on behalf of the voiceless. God would have us take a stand and recognize the sanctity of the pre-born life, but not only the sanctity of the pre-born life, but also to recognize the sanctity of the lives of the women and men who feel like they have no alternative. That's why I love Soundview, and that's why I love Love Life so much. Because they don't only minister to those who are considering abortion. They minister to those lives that have been shattered 
when they've come to realize that the pro-choice was the wrong choice. And if that's you today, I want to tell you that there's mercy, that there's grace, that God loves life, that God loves your life. And at the end of the service, one of our altar counselors or one of our partners that love life would love to pray with you and would love to give you some resources so that you would live under condemnation no longer. God loves life. Beloved, I'm suggesting to you this morning that instead of wasting time and energy being outraged from a distance, that God is calling us to draw near to this issue and realize that there are broken men and broken women who need the loving power of God in their lives today more than ever. I love the way it's expressed in Casting Crown's song, Does Anybody Hear Her? The lyrics of the chorus say, Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Does anybody even know she's going down today under the shadow of our steeple with all the lost and lonely people searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me? So many broken lives, so many broken men and broken women who think they have no alternative because they're searching for hope and that hope is tucked away in you and me. I promise you that every single life that has ever considered abortion is searching for that hope. Come on, church, I'm imploring you today to celebrate the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. God loves life. So we celebrate the sanctity of life, the sanctity of preborn life, and the sanctity of broken life, the sanctity of confused life, and the sanctity of disabled life, the sanctity of elderly life, the sanctity of special needs life, the sanctity of human trafficked life, the sanctity of orphan life. The sanctity of impoverished life and the sanctity of wealthy life. The sanctity of black life, brown life, white life, red life, yellow life, and blue life. The sanctity of, Republic, of Republican life and the sanctity of Democrat life. The sanctity of citizen life and the sanctity of immigrant life. The sanctity of life for God so loved the world. God loves life. God loves life. Can you say it with me? God loves life. God loves life. God loves life. On January 22nd, 2019, New York State passed the Reproductive Health Act, and many people in our circles became outraged. But I have to ask respectfully, where was our outrage on January 21st? Did abortion suddenly become more outrageous in late-term cases? Of course not. And I'm not here to beat you up over it. I'm here to encourage you that today we have the chance to speak on behalf of the voiceless. But it starts with a commitment. Our partners at Love Life are asking us to commit to prayer and fasting. We just did 48 hours of prayer and fasting. I know that Bethlehem knows how to pray. And so this Wednesday, this Wednesday, we are praying and we are fasting for this initiative. And this Saturday, we're gathering together for a prayer walk by the largest abortion clinic in New York City. And we can do this. Bethlehem, we can do this. You might say, well, that's all the way in New York City, but Bethlehem, we can do this. Bethlehem Assembly of God is strong enough to be heard in New York City. We can do this. <laughs> Pastor Tony will be there, and we're asking you to commit. We're asking you to come out. We're asking you to walk, and we're asking you to pray, because prayer changes things. 
For God so loved the world. It's time for us to start acting like it. Our Love Life partners are going to come up in a few moments to share a little more with us. But as we close before that, I'd like to make sure that we don't overlook an important moment. The worship team can make their way forward. God loves life. He gave his son to die for you and me that we may spend eternity with him. God loves life. All of us in this room have had the opportunity, the privilege of being born. We all had the privilege of being born. With that privilege comes the guarantee that someday we will die. And so now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to ask, what if today is that day? What if today is the day that you die? Are you sure that you would be going to heaven? Do you know that you'd be spending eternity with God? Because if you're not sure, then today, today's the most important day of your life. Because you had the privilege of being born, today you get the privilege of being born again. Born into his kingdom. And all you have to do is accept Jesus as your savior. And so I'm gonna ask everyone in this house to pray with me. I'm gonna ask that we pray together that you repeat after me, everyone, sanctuary, the balcony, and the cafe, and the overflow. And if you're watching via live stream, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come before you confessing that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which dwells inside of me from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or if you prayed that prayer honestly for the first time in a long time, then I want to encourage you to come forward at the end of the service. Our altar counselors will be prepared to pray with you, to give you some information, to give you a gift. Or if you are carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry. If you're carrying a burden of sin, if you're carrying a burden of abortion or any other sin, I want you to know that God loves your life. God does not want you to live under condemnation, but to be free and to be free indeed. And if the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart right now, I want you to know that you can come forward to the altar at the end of the service and we will be glad to pray with you. Altar workers will be here to pray with you. Pastor Henry will be here to pray with you that you could experience the richness of God's love because God loves life. And now I'd like to ask our friends, our partners at Love Life to come again and share with us. Hear me. I'll go out. There we go. I was about to go without the mic. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Thank you for that great word. Man, we honor you, bro. What a powerful word for us this morning. 
You know, the, the, word has, the world has a lot to say about love, and I'm thankful for the clarity that was brought today, and, but we got to take back that word, love. The world has hijacked that word, and, and now I'm going to lay before you um, a call to action, and that is what love is. 1 John 3, 16 and 18 says, this is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and now we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Not just with words or tongue, but with action. Say action. The action and in truth. There was a phrase used in Nazi Germany called opposition without action. There was a lot of people that were opposed to what Hitler was doing uh, philosophically, but very few people that were actually taking action during that time. You know, it's easy for us to sit here today and have hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. When we look back in the early 1940s and say, man, if I was a Christian in 1942, if I was a pastor in 1943, I would have spoken. But I'm here to tell you today, church, that today is 1942. That we face the greatest moral issue, issue in the history of the world. Not just in our time, but in the history of the world. Since 1980, 1 1.5 billion have died in the womb. The greatest genocide in the history of the world is happening in our time. Acts 17 tells us that God picked the time and the place in which we would live. In which, that means that it's not an accident. That you live in New York City. That you are here in 2019 facing the greatest giant that the world has ever faced before. You see, David didn't get to pick his giant. Shepherd boy David didn't get to pick his Goliath, and neither do you and neither do I. We simply get to decide how we will respond in our time. And this is our time. David's time has come and gone. Nehemiah's time has come and gone. Esther's time has come and gone. We can read about all those things, but here I'm going to tell you today that this is our time. This is our city. These are our children. This is our generation. This is our time to rise up, church to be the city on the hill that will not be hidden. And so right here, I'm asking you to take action. Everybody got a commitment card as you came in. You have a card in your seat. I'm gonna ask you to take it out right now. If you did not get a card, wave your hand. I believe we got some ushers in the balcony with those cards. If you do not have a card, please put your hand up. We wanna get you a card. We got some hands up here, but I'm asking you to start filling that card out. This is your commitment today. We got cards coming to you. Keep your hands up. This is our chance to, to respond to what we heard. We can't just hear these things and move on with our life. This is an opportunity to pray and fast this Wednesday and to sat, go Saturday for the prayer walk. Again, it's not a protest. This is a prayer walk. But the more people that show up, the more families choose life. The more people that show up, the less amount of people show up for abortions. In Charlotte, we have seen a 70% drop in abortions when the church is present at the prayer walks. Did you hear what I said? A 70% drop in abortions. Your presence matters this Saturday. I know it's a hike, I know it's a, it's a drive or it's a train ride, but I'm asking you to show up this Saturday for the prayer walk. Please fill out that card. If you've walked this road before, again, we wanna pray with you as well. We wanna see healing and restoration in your life because people that get set free help set other people free. And so we're gonna do an altar call right here, right now. For all of those that are taking a step of action today, you're saying, hey, I can't, sit in the, I can't sit in the pews any longer. I can no longer sit on the sidelines. I can't have opposition without action. Today, I'm going to put feet to my convictions. So I'm going to ask you to take that card that you have filled out right now and bring it down to the altar. Right here, right now. Stand to your feet. You said, I'm going to, I'm going to take action today. Today is my step. I'm putting feet to my convictions right now. Bring it down to the altar. And I want you to stay right here. Stay down at the altar with me. We're going to pray. I'm going to have Pastor Gabe lead us in a prayer. Stay down here with me. We're linking arms today. We're saying we're not going to sit on the sidelines. We're going to get in the fight, in the fight for life. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. Stay down here with me. We're going to pray with you. Come on, balcony. Let's go. We're going to show up. We're going to be the salt of the earth. We're going to be the light of the world. We're going to be the city on a hill. Come on, this is a commissioning service right now. We're not checking a box. We're saying we're here to win it. We're here to win it. He is able. He is greater. We understand this has been legal for 46 years, but he is greater. He is greater than all of it. Come on down. Keep coming. Balcony, you're saying, I'm going to take a stand. 
Here's my commitment right here before you. I'm gonna give up some time. I'm gonna make a sacrifice. He called us to pick up our cross and follow him. If you wanna find your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, you will find it. This is your chance. This is our time in which we were born, in which we were called. Come on down. If you're, you're making a commitment today, stay down here with us. Pastor Gabe, lead us, man. Amen, Amen church. God bless you today. I, I, I felt compelled with this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again now. Um, sometimes the holding pattern is what we call the spirit of fear. Uh, and yet I want to tell you that David ran to the battle. He ran to his Goliath. Amen. And I just tell you, speaking of love, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. And hear this, church, the evidence of our faith is our works. Faith without works is still dead. Amen. So we believe and we receive greater income, greater this, greater that. Thank God for all those things. I have no problem with it. But we believe we receive, hallelujah, the end of the number one moral issue in our time. Amen. We're getting ready to pray with those of you who are down here. The second, the first thing is the commitment. But the second thing that we want to make sure we prayed for out loud was for those of you who need the redemptive love of Jesus. Amen. As you may have had an abortion. Amen. You may have had an experience. If you hadn't had one, you know someone. Amen. You may have been connected. I want to pray those two things. I want to pray a consecration prayer over this commitment. But then we want to pray uh, the redemptive love of Jesus be shed abroad in your heart. Father, I thank you for my friends down here at the altar. Lord God, we pray, we touch and agree with them right now in the name of Jesus as they're still yet coming. We thank you, Lord God, that this will be like a fire shut up in their bones. Lord God, we thank you now in the name of Jesus that we will never again be able to say that we didn't know this was going on in our backyard. God, we thank you, God, that we are commissioned today and we are commissioned not by might nor by power, but by your spirit to go forth and make a change in the earth realm. Father, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in New York as it is in heaven, God. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you, Lord God, that there is no death and dying in, in heaven, God. And so we decree right now, God, that as it pertains to these babies, God, that there will be no more murder in our city, no more murder in our state, no more murder on this wise in our nation, God. We take back the authority, God. This man of God was so right, God, that passion, God, that we needed to have before the 22nd of January, God. In fact, we repent if we didn't have it, God. God, we repent, God, if we didn't have, God, the drive that was necessary, God. Oh, God, we, we, we lay our hearts on the line today, God, and we repent, God, for not being on the front line of the things that you care about, God. God, we care about foreign missions, of course, God, but sometimes, God, the mission camp is in our own backyard so God today God we repent and we run back to you back to your ways God and God we thank you for the blood of Jesus that rinses us clean God everybody in this church God is my prayer God that everybody in this church that has had exposure of any type God to the trauma and the hurt and the pain of abortion God I release an anointing in the room now that the love of Jesus thank you Lord be shed abroad in their heart, God. The forgiveness of God. We believe we receive that in and by faith, God. Lord, let us to raise our children knowing about this early. Let us to bring our families down, God, in carriages. Walk down there with our teenagers, God, so that they know on the front end, God, that there's a better way, there's a better decision, God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God. We have the whole armor of God before we end this prayer, God. Our feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our loins are girded up with truth. We got the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation. And God, we are ready to do war. We are ready to go forth and to do it in love. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Church, I want you to do something that honestly the enemy doesn't want us to do. There's something he runs away from. It's known as praise. Will you, for a garment of heaviness, put on a spirit of praise? Somebody give God glory all over this room. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Guys. 
Guys that are standing here, just stay right here. Stay right here. Can everybody else in the congregation please stand? Let's stand together. Now the team has to rush out. They're going to Rosedale and Pastor Tony is going with them. A message like this and a theme like we've gone through this morning is nothing to be rushed at. And the Spirit of God may be still speaking to some of you from what you've heard this morning. You can walk out of this place feeling condemned if that was you. And, and that's not the reason why we had this message this morning. The, me the, the reason for this message is like any other thing in life. There's redemption. There's forgiveness. There is life after all this. And you're not peculiar. You are not uh, worse than anybody. Every one of us, every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us deserve hell. And I will be the first to put my hand up. Every one of us, but the grace of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your past, your past qualifies you to be used by God. Your past doesn't disqualify you, it qualifies you. Because when you can look someone in the eye and they look at you and say, well, you, nothing has ever happened in your life. Nothing wrong has ever gone wrong in your life. You can be able to say, baby, don't be fooled by what you see. But let me tell you my story. How I was wretched. How I was down. How I was broken. How I was confused. How I wanted to take my life sometimes. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? And so I just want to remind you as you walk out of this place, don't walk out of here with your head down. No, walk with your head up. Know that you have been forgiven. Know that you have been redeemed. And now God wants to take your life and he wants you to go find people who you can recognize because you've been through it. You will recognize them when you see them. And they will try and hide in the church. They will come and wave their hands like everybody else waves their hand and they will sing and stump their feet and they will pretend that's nothing wrong. But you know the signs because you have walked through it yourself. And you would be able to put an arm around her or around him and say, come on, young man. I know what you're going through, but I went through it myself. And let me tell you the story of how God changed me and redeemed me and set me free so I can live a life that is full of abundance. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to influence as many people for the kingdom of God as possible. So that when we finally get home and we turn around and we see all the people that are there, all of us will fall to our knees and will turn our gaze to God and say, Father, if it wasn't because of you, we wouldn't be here. So you may be still filling out that card. Go ahead and fill it out. And when you finish, come down the, and, and drop it here right at the thing. And, when we, and let's engage. Because you were once lost, but now you're found. And God wants you to go out and find others and let them know there's redemption, there's forgiveness. And so I told Anthony to sing one more song over. I want you to stand right where you are. Don't move. We're going to let you go in two minutes. But I want Anthony to sing a worship song over you. And I want the word that was said today and the Spirit of God to mix with that word and permeate your heart this day. So bow your heads, close your eyes.